in an average home in America today doing residential assisted living, you should be able to net, after all expenses, the real estate, the caregivers, everything, 10 grand a month, 12 grand a month, in a nicer home, 15 or 20 grand per, per house. Month, per house. Just a single family home being used for this purpose. Perfect. Jamel Gibbs here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another podcast episode. Today, we have another special guest. Now, uh, this gentleman on the phone is an expert in the assisted living, residential assisted living arena. And if this is something that you're interested in, then you're going to be excited, just as excited as I am to be on today's call. Be sure to uh, listen to it. uh, Take a lot of notes. And also be sure to apply what you're going to hear today because we're going to uh, talk about some nuggets that Gene's going to drop for you. Now, listen, you know, I know a lot of you are wholesalers or uh, maybe you're not uh, in the commercial world as of right now. Uh, this to me, residential assisted living, I'm, I'm sure Gene, you, you'll probably agree with me, would be considered a commercial type of investment, right? More so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, a lot of individuals listening today are uh, focused primarily on residential, uh, let's say residential single family investing versus commercial investing. Yeah, we may have a, a sprinkle of investors on here who are in the commercial commercial world, but at the end of the day, most of us are focused on the single family residential uh, arena. Now, keeping that in mind, I really want to talk about some things today that can help uh, our listeners transition their mind into what it is that you're doing right now and, and uh, what's working for you in your business. I know, again, keeping in mind that we're all single family, most of us are single family residential investors. Mm -hmm. Um, What would be the transition over? That's a rhetorical question, which we'll talk about today, but I want to welcome my good friend, Gene Garino. To the call now, Gene. Uh, just before you actually uh, jump in, Gene and I were in the same mastermind, uh, and that's how I met Gene. Awesome guy, uh, has a lot of knowledge. Again, in the assisted, the residential assisted living arena, and you guys are really gonna benefit from this call. So uh, be sure to uh, pay close attention. Gene, what's up, man? How you doing, Jamal? Good to see you. Good to be with you today. Hey, likewise, man. I appreciate you taking some time out to. Uh, to uh, uh, share some information with our listeners and um, looking to have a great call, man. My pleasure. Yeah, man. So (laughs) why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Gene? Sure. I've been, uh, you know, we met in that mastermind, which is a great mastermind, but I've been doing real estate since I was 18 years old. And prior to that, I had a music school. Well, as a teenager, I was a professional musician. We had a music school, recording studio, small record label. We rented a house for two years And at the end of that, we said, we have to get our own place. Looked up the street, saw for sale sign. That was the beginning of the real estate career. We moved our business into there. After that, we did some fix and flips, some buy and hold, small commercial. Then flash forward about 40 years to where I am today. You know, right now I do just one thing and you've said it, residential assisted living. So we're not going to talk about moving into assisted living. It's the real estate and the business opportunities that surround the baby boomers and everything that's here and coming our way. 
And I'll say, you know, as far as residential assisted living is concerned, I personally, I don't know many people that focus on right. this particular arena. You're like one of the first guys I've ever heard uh, doing right. something like this, which it, it blew my mind when we were on that call, the mastermind call. And I said, I got to get Gene on a, on, a, on a podcast. So talk to us a little bit about what the residential assisted living arena uh, entails. You got it. So there's really two parts to this whole play. There's a real estate side and a business side. So on the real estate side, it's a single family home, just like you said, in a residential setting. But it is does have a commercial tinge to it because we're doing this business of residential assisted living. Now, I'm going to say business here on the podcast and for us listening and talking, but it's a home and it's a group home for the elderly. So you can do it in a neighborhood. It's not a retail business where cars are coming up and going. Humans live there in a single family home. So it's not multifamily, it's not commercial, but it does, it allows us to do this in a single family dwelling. Gotcha. So yeah, on the real estate side, I mean, this is done all over the country. There's almost 30,000 of these homes across the country now. Most of them have five or 10 people in those homes. Some of them as big as 20 people in one of those homes. They're in neighborhoods, uh, just like the one you're in, I'm in, in a neighborhood where it could be right there next to you and you wouldn't even know it. There's no sign in the front. Inside the home, it's seniors that are living there in this group home, and there's caregivers that come and take care of them. So not a hospital, not doctors, nurses, and gurneys, but they just can't be at home alone. They need some help, but it's not medical help. So we can talk about the real estate and the business, but those are the two distinct opportunities. Gotcha. And most... Uh most investors listening right now, where do you see them? Uh, let's say that someone's just getting started and, they, yeah. and they're interested in this type of investing. Where do you see this type of person getting started in the business? Is it on a real estate side or the business side itself? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the real estate side first, because that's what I know you and everyone else is very used to doing. So the real estate, let me give you what the best type or the typical type would be. Single level ranch or one story is preferable, but a lot of these homes across the country are two and three story because that's the inventory in those areas. So single level tends to be a bigger house. You can have legally 10, 12 people in a 15 or 2000 square foot house, 1500 or 2000 square foot house, but we typically do bigger homes, three, four, 5,000 square feet. So bigger is better. The number of bedrooms in a home. You can have two people in a bedroom for these senior housing that we do. Some states allow you to have even more, but two people is kind of the max that I want you to be thinking about. And my homes have a lot of private rooms. So we've taken a big home and converted a four bedroom home into a 10 bedroom home because private rooms is what people would rather have if they have a choice. You need a minimum of two bathrooms for 10, 12 people, but more bathrooms is better. So our homes tend to be four or 5,000 square feet, 10 bedrooms, six bathrooms, eight bathrooms, 10 bathrooms. So you might be adding plumbing. So group home for the elderly, and that's kind of the real estate side. So the way to make money in this, kind of think of it three ways. One, you can just be an investor. You write a check, you're a private lender or a joint venture partner where you're the money. Two would be where you own the real estate and you lease it to the operator. So you don't have anything to do with the business. You're not involved in the business or the ownership of. You're just the landlord. They're the tenant. That's a great option for real estate investors because that bigger home that I just described typically wouldn't cash flow. 
with just a, a family who's there for a year or two. It does cash flow if you can charge a higher amount of rent. So with this kind of a tenant, this residential assisted living business that's going to operate there, they may pay twice the market rent. So instead of renting that home for $2,500, maybe you're renting it for $5,000 a month. They also want a lease that might be five years long, not one year long. So if you like the idea of owning the real estate and leasing it to a long-term, low-impact tenant at twice the market rent, that's a great play right there. And then the third play is you own the real estate and then you lease it to yourself, another entity that operates the business. So we can talk about that second, but on the real estate side, that's kind of the layout of opportunity. So you're not necessarily uh, purchasing commercial properties all the time. Some of these are actual residential properties and you're just converting it into a, like you said, a, a group home for the elderly. Yeah, it's definitely not, I, I don't want you to do it in a commercial area. Like there's a motel that's, you know, run down, let's do that. That's not it. A commercial building in a strip mall, that's not it. I want it in the middle of a neighborhood and the nicer the neighborhood, the better. So an upscale neighborhood, uh, the nicer neighborhood, the nicer it is, the more the people who live around there who have a parent who's 80 or 90 can afford to pay for the care. So I want to be in the upper incomes, not the lower incomes. And that's what we, we say level five is at the top, level one is at the bottom. Our sweet spot is level three and level four. So above the middle, not quite at the top, but it's in a neighborhood. So there's not going to be a sign in front. It's just a house on the street. Gotcha. And do you need a license? If let's say, for example, you want to, um, Obviously, if you, if you own the real estate, you don't need a license to own the real estate. But if you want to operate the business, I'm sure there's certain uh, things yep. that you have, some certain hurdles that you have to jump over. Is that yeah. correct? There's no federal regulation, but every state has their own rules and regulations. And then every community is going to have its own, you know, further or, or you know, nuance. So the state, like, uh, what state are you in, by the way? I'm in North Carolina. So North Carolina, North and South Carolina have different rules. Some allow you to have up to six of the residents in the home. And then the other one allows you to have nine residents in the home. So every state's going to be a little bit different. What they call it in, and those two always mess me up, which one's six, which one's nine, and what do they call it there? Because they're so close together. Mm -hmm. But the point is, every state calls it something different. About 20 of the states across the country call it an ALF assisted living facility. And that's a home in a neighborhood that's being used for this purpose. But Georgia, for instance, calls it a personal care home. So a PCH, it's different things in different states. But the rules and regulations that go with it typically fall into three different parts. One is the house needs to be safe for seniors. So not ADA compliant, we're not hiring the disabled, we're taking care of seniors. So it may need smoke detectors, it may need fire suppression, may need grab bars near the toilets and showers, ramps at the front door and so on, but safe for seniors. The second part is there needs to be policies and procedures, which is here's what we do. Here's how we have people come in, go out, menu schedules. Here's how we take care of people. And the third is there needs to be a qualified manager. So every state's a little different. The easiest states, uh, 21 years old, a GED or higher, and a 24-hour course, you can be a manager of an assisted living home. So that's what it takes, three different things to be qualified, then the state allows you to do it in that residential setting. Gotcha. Now, I, I want to take a step back for a moment. Sure. Not everybody uh, starts off in a business 
in the assisted living arena. So did you start off in the business um, in, in this type of investment or did you, uh, how did you get started? Well, yeah, mine goes all the way back, like I said, to when I was a teenager. So I heard about this topic 20 plus years ago. I was at a big real estate event. The guru in the front was telling you, here's 10 different ways you can make money in real estate. And this was 20 plus years ago when he said, you know, this senior housing, the baby boomers are coming and this is going to be the place to be. I just remember it resonating with me and going up to him and tell me more. And he's like, well, I can't. I'm like, why not? He said, well, I don't do it. I'm just saying you should do it. All right. And I was disappointed. And I said, can you at least tell me about somebody who's doing it? And he gave me one name. I called the guy up and he said, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm like, why not? He said, you're going to take all my business. That's literally what he said. Like there's millions of seniors who need this. What are you talking about? Then the few other people that I found were doing it, but they were mom and pops. And what I mean by that is the kids moved out. They've got some empty bedrooms and they say, you know what? Let me put some seniors in there. I'll make some extra food, do some extra laundry, and I'll be the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And now they don't own a business. It owns them. They're living in the house where they're operating this business where they're taking care of people 24-7. It's not what I do. We find the right house in the right location, and then we get a manager who then gets the caregivers, who then fills the home and takes care of the residents, and then you go get the next home. So you asked, you know, again, how did I get started in this? Heard about it 20 plus years ago, but about 10 years ago, my mom needed help. And when it's mom, it becomes real. It's no longer just money or real estate. It's mom needs help. And what I quickly realized is that I didn't find a place that I was comfortable, that I felt would love mom, keep her safe, take care of her. And I said, this is a serious problem for the kids who are 50, 60 with their 89 year old parent. Where do we bring them? What do we do? Uh, so at that point, that's when I literally vowed to create the solution. And when I said vowed to create it, that was that residential assisted living, where taking a home, converting it into. There was nobody to teach me how. There was no home study course or training I could go to. So I actually bought an existing one, some, one that was already in operation. I said, let me buy it, dissect it, figure out what's right and wrong, what I would do different or better. And then I'll start my next one and my next one. So that's where it all began and got to where we are today. Now, can you get involved in a, in a business like this or, you know, you know, obviously in real estate, we, we understand there's a no money down aspect, mm -hmm. which is kind of a facade, uh, a facade in my opinion, because mm -hmm. you always need some type of capital involved in real estate or business. It doesn't necessarily have to be your funds, but there's always money involved, right? Right. right. So, with this type of aspect of investing, how much capital would a person need to get started doing something like this? I love the way you laid that out because you're right. When we say OPM, other people's money, no money down, there is money involved. It's just not your money or my money. Mm -hmm. So when you got money on a capital stack, if you get 70% of the money from the bank, got it. Where's the other 30%? It could be your own capital, could be equity in a home, or it could be an outside investor or lender or partner putting the money in. But my very first deal when I was 18 was no money down because I had no money, no credit, no clue. I had no choice, right? Then my very last deal was no money down because I know how to do it that way, with or without money. But when you use other people's money and even fund it and finance it at 100%, like the one that I bought, I bought it. It was $500,000 for the business and the real estate. The real estate was worth about four fifty. I purchased the business for 50, which was a steal. Mm -hmm. So 500 was the total. 
but I borrowed $516,000 to do the deal. So I borrowed even more than what the real estate was worth and the real estate and the business combined. Uh, actually, I ended up with even more than that because the business had security deposits, prepaid rent. So I ended up with about 40,000 cash in the bank when I bought the business and the real estate with no money down. Awesome, man. Now, obviously this, this may go over some people's heads because a lot of, a lot of listeners are focused on wholesalers. So basically what Gene is saying is he bought the property and the businesses and, and was able to put cash in his pockets at the, at the, uh, the time of the purchase. Right. And do that in real estate guys. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge tip right there. I love that. Now, what, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people may have about this type of business? Maybe it's hard or, you know, um, they can't do it. What, what are some of the things you, you feel sure. people uh, misconceive about this business? Yeah, well, I'm just going to start at the top where you've already started to say the idea of commercial versus residential. We do it in the residential setting. So a home in a neighborhood, that's one. Two, I have to work in the business or if somebody calls off, I have to cover a shift. No, you don't. And if you set up your business that way, stop it. That's stupid. You know, the owner of McDonald's isn't running down to flip fries if somebody doesn't show up on a Tuesday afternoon. They've got managers. They've got systems in place. Another one, I have to find a house across the street from a hospital. No, you don't. If that person who's living in your residential assisted living needs to be in the hospital every day, that's not a good resident to have, right? That's a medical situation. They're in a nursing home. Well, Gene, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. How can I even do this? You don't need to have any background at all. I don't want you to be the manager or the caregiver. Well, Gene, and, and we can get into all the current things, what's going on in our crazy world today. But from the other side, it's like, well, how about this? How about money? How about credit? How about this? You know what? There's answers to all of these things. And I, I just always look at it, Jamal, as the idea of it's like stinking thinking. You get what you focus on. If you focus on why am I broke? Well, your mind's going to keep telling you, here's why you're broke. And if you say, how can I make it work? Well, now your mind's coming up with all kinds of solutions. Right. You wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. Uh, so ask yourself the right questions. But those myths right there, residential versus commercial, it's residential. Do you have to work in the business if somebody doesn't show up? No, if you've done your work right. Uh, we already went through what does it take to get the license and so on. There's obviously more to it. But you and I were talking just before we started and we said, you know, hey, sometimes people think something is easy. And this one here, there's definitely hoops you have to jump through and there's barriers to entry. And I like that because I don't want everybody doing what I'm doing. But those people who are willing to jump through the hoops of the barriers to entry in an average home in America today doing residential assisted living, you should be able to net after all expenses, the real estate, the caregivers, everything, 10 grand a month, 12 grand a month in a nicer home, 15 or 20 grand per, per house, per house, just a single family home being used for this purpose. Now, if you just want to be the real estate owner and lease it too, and you got twice the market rent, well, maybe you're making an extra two grand per house, have five of these homes that you lease out to others. Now you got an extra 10 grand a month. And that right there, by the way, is kind of the magic number. A lot of people, when you ask them, how much do you need to pay all your bills? A lot of people come up with that number, well, 10 grand a month, and I'm good. Well, good. You could do it with one house, or you could have an apartment complex with 100 units or, you know, 100 single family homes. And yep. if you've been there, done that, you understand those are some challenges too. Yeah, man. So what, what do you feel like, you know, we just talked about some obstacles. 
sure. that people may face. What are some of the biggest obstacles people face when getting started in something like this? Well, not knowing what they don't know. You know, get education, learn as much as you can before you even start. That's one. Love that. Two, yeah. Two, another one is just the DIY attitude. You know, I'm an older guy. I'm definitely older than you are. But the point is, the older I get, the more I realize I am not the best at everything. I don't want to be the best at everything. What I want to do is I want to know what needs to get done, find the person who's the best or really mm. good at it, who I can hire, put in position, empower, support, so they can do their thing as I go do my thing. So that's a big mistake people make in this industry. They say, you know what? I'm going to start by, I'll be the manager. I'll be a caregiver. I'll fill in. I'll forget it. You're sunk before you even started. I can so verify I, that too, Gene. Uh, you know, I'll <laughs> verify Gene on that one because we're on these mastermind calls every single week. And Gene's like, well, how can I, he's, I, I can see his mind when he takes down a lot of notes and then he's always thinking, how can I put somebody else in place in order mm -hmm. to make this work? So I won't have to do all the work myself. Yeah, and you're right. Turn it into a business. I see that. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you on that one. <laughs> and it is, it, it's a, you know, anything in life can be a business, but I, I, I also, there's other things that I want to make sure to share too. Like, I just want to encourage everybody who's listening right now, before you do anything more, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, and especially when I know a lot of people that get into real estate, it's quick cash. So the wholesaling, the fix and flip is a big one because it does work. You can do it. Everything's going to take effort, but is that what you want? Is that quick fix? And now I'm unemployed and I got to go find the next deal. Or do you want to do something where it's residual income? So then we progress to a hundred dollars a month per door or whatever it may be. And it's like, well, that's good. But a hundred dollars a month doesn't pay for a round of golf. What's your number? If it's 10 grand, how quickly can I get that one solved? And if it's 10 grand, find that one thing that you can do. So the money part of life is solved. You've got that residual, so now you can do other things that interest you or are fun or you scale. So, but go so, ahead. I'm sorry. I got off track. No, no, no worries, man. So we were talking about some of the obstacles and yep. things like that. Do you feel like it's easier for someone to get started on a real estate side or the business side of it? Maybe learn the business so that they know what to do uh, or see if they're even passionate about it. Yep. Do you feel like they should focus on a real estate side. So the real estate is the easier part. So when I say easier part, the business is definitely the harder part. The business can allow you to make a lot more money. So easier would be the real estate. Mm -hmm. The key for anybody who's thinking of getting in on the real estate side, you need to find your tenant first. The, see, the other way around, what most people do is they get a house, they get a great deal, they fix it up, then they put it for rent, and you find somebody because there's millions of people that need a place to live, right? This is different. The only tenant you're going to get for this business is somebody who knows this business and needs that location. So before you pick anything, I don't care if it's a free house, go find the person who's saying, I want to expand. I want to do this business. And then ask them, where do you want a house? How big do you want it? How many stories? How many bathrooms? Because now you're just going shopping. You're going to find what it is that they need and want. Now you've got that long-term you know, twice the market rent, five-year lease on a house that they want. And once they're in that house as a tenant, they can't just move the business next door or across town. That's it. They're either going to be your tenant for life or you're going to end up selling that building to them. So find the tenant first, and I can give you some strategies for that. 
but location, location, location is critical. Real estate, we're always thinking about deals, but the reality is this is about location because if you and I are brothers and we're paying for mom's care, I want it to be close to us because mm -hmm. we're going to go visit. I want to go visit twice a week, twice a day, not once, you know, once a year during a holiday and close by to where the people who are going to put their mom or dad into the home, that's where we want that home to be. Wow. So a lot of, a lot of stuff running through my head right now. <laughs> a lot of questions, man. I know go that people it. are going to be asking. Um, a couple of things that, you know, we, we were just discussing and, you know, you, you mentioned it, it'll be easier to start off on the real estate side of things. Mm -hmm. And obviously that, that may take less capital, less time, less effort on someone's behalf. Mm -hmm. But obviously uh, learning the business and understanding the business side is going to make you more money, more mm -hmm. profitable. Um, would you recommend... And it's probably not one of the questions that I, that I wanted to come up with, but it is coming to my head right now. Do you recommend someone getting into this if it was for the money? Because sometimes you see uh, a negative light shine on assisted living right. uh, housing as well. You know, um, would you recommend someone getting into it if their heart isn't in it or if it's just about the dollar signs? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, again, it, it at the point where I'm at in, in life from uh, what I've done and what I've seen, life is way too short. Don't do anything just for the money. Go That's rob right. a bank, go sell drugs on the corner if it's just for the money. Do something that you want to do, that you're passionate about because things get hard. I don't care who you are. And when it gets hard, if you have no passion, no desire, no commitment, you're just going to give it up and go the other direction. You got to be right. passionate about something you can really get committed to. So let's, you know, our motto in the whole company is do good and do well. To do well is make a lot of money. To do good is do something good for other people. So when you put that together, whatever do good is for you, now that's a lot stronger and you can be a lot more committed to it. So I do want you to have some passion, but let me explain the opportunity so we all see. You know, baby boomers, we talk about the baby boomer generation. They're not in assisted living yet. They're coming. Their last stop is assisted living. So Baby boomers, this whole generation began 1946. Why? Because World War II ended, servicemen came home, got busy, boom, population explosion. They said that was fun, boom, it goes up again. And then it's just a steady increase for like 10 years. When you look at a chart, it's like seeing a silver tsunami of seniors coming your way. And you know exactly when it's going to hit shore. So the first front edge of that baby boomer, they're only 72, 73. The average person in assisted living is 82. 83. So that's 10 years out. But there's a spike that's going. You can see it on a chart. It's like goes like this and it hits this wall. This business is good right now, but it's just getting better and better and better. Everybody and gets sudden, old, man. <laughs> yeah. And then it hits critical mass where all of a sudden it's a crisis. Right now, this is a crisis for a lot of people who don't have money mm. to afford to pay for mom or dad's care. The flip side of that coin is the opportunity for us to provide that solution. Wow. Let, let me flip it forward one more because what I'm sure a lot of people, because it's so timely right now, are thinking about virus, COVID, seniors, death. Got it. Let's back up for a second. Most of the time when you hear those issues, it's nursing homes, not assisted living. Nursing is medical, nursing home. The powers that be have screwed up royally because many of the bigger states have said, mandated, if you have COVID, 
the nursing home must allow you back into that nursing home. That's like the worst thing you could possibly have done. I knew it. I said it. It's true. Half the people who have died are in nursing homes. Why? Because they put sick people into a room full of people that should mm -hmm. be protected instead of, they tell us to sit at home and put a mask on, but they have those people. No, let's move somebody right in. How stupid. But anyway, those people in those homes are like, this is crazy. This is nuts. And a lot of them have moved into the smaller homes saying, this is safer. Smaller is better. Six, 10 people is a lot less people. <clears throat> a handful of caregivers coming in and out versus hundreds of people in the big box facility over here with dozens and dozens of caregivers going in and out. So Absolutely. yeah, smaller is better, safer. And I've been saying this for seven years as I've been training people to do this. Now the big box have figured it out and they're saying, all right, how do we get small? And so the opportunity is huge because this mass is coming and it's literally like seeing a stock chart 10 years in advance. You know exactly when to get in and exactly when to get out. So this is obviously an opportunity for everyone right yes. now to, to get involved. Uh, yes. There's millions of, upon millions of baby boomers out there mm -hmm. and millions upon millions of opportunities. It's not like it's, you know, everybody's going to jump in and it's going to dry up the opportunity. That's just not going to happen. And I love the fact that you mentioned that the harder it is, the less people are going to want to do it anyway. Mm -hmm becomes more profitable for the average person jumping in, which is the case. Most people are lazy. Most people don't want to uh, put forth the effort to, to actually get something like this up and running. And that leaves the door wide open for guys who do want to yep. get out there and, and start doing something. Just put forth a little bit of effort. How hard, how hard is it really, Gene, to, to do something like this, though? Yeah, hey, you know, I don't, I never even look at it that way, Jamal. The idea of how hard is something, it's, if you're it's committed, if you love what you do and you're committed to something, you'll get through it and you'll have fun going through it. And if you're not, I don't care if it's eating peas, you'll just put up a stink until you're blue in the face and make excuses on top of. So that's why I say pick something you want to do that you're passionate about. You know, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. That's an employee state, statement. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs, it's like, I can't believe it's Friday. I got so much more to do and I got so little time to do it. So many ideas and thoughts. So if you're passionate about it, time just zips by. You know, you can pull all-nighters before you even know it. But that's not work. That's kind of fun. Absolutely, man. So let's talk about some of the uh, steps that it would take for the average person listening to this podcast right now to get mm -hmm. started? What would be, let's say a three to five step process to get started in something like this? Got it. I noticed somebody's name on there, so I'll just take that off. The, uh, the three to five step process, location, location, location is step number one. So what I mean by that is it's not oceanfront, mountaintop, that's not it. It's the demographics of the people that live around. The higher the income, the more people, you know, so the perfect demographic is let's say 50, 60 year olds, homeowners, at twice the median income in that area or that state. Well, they're not moving into assisted living. You're right. Their parents are. If they're 50, 60, their parents are 80 or 90. And the kids, they're the ones who are making the decision on where the home is and how much they're willing to pay. So location. Second thing is you need to know the rules of the game. Every state's a little bit different. Can you have six in a home, 10 in a home, 16 in a home? In Texas, you can have 16 in a single family home considered a small facility. Arizona, it's 10. The Carolinas, one six, one's nine. Some states, about 20 of them say no limit. You can have as many as you want, but the house needs to be senior safe. And now we're down to the other set. 
So step two is know the rules of the game. So once we know the location, the rules of the game, I think really is we have a whole 10 step process, but the next thing is you got to decide what part of this game you want to play. And if it's the real estate side, great. If it's the business side, great. If it's a combination, great. And if it's none of it, that's okay too, you know, but I will say this, I guarantee everybody who's listening, you're going to get involved in what I do one way or the other. <laughs> you're either going to own the real estate, the business, or you or a family member is going to be lying in a bed writing a check to somebody who does. Mm. So those three steps, and that might be your encouragement to at least take a look and see what this really is. And then from there, it's all about taking action. I would say that would be step number four. Yeah. You know, just kind of getting out there and actually doing something with it and not just listening to, to information, you know, um, before we, you know, jump in to some more information, how can our listeners find out more about, uh, sure. your programs and things like that? You know, I, I didn't tell you, but I'm going to give them a copy of, of my brand new book. Oh, that's awesome, book. man. Yeah. And this book right here literally just came out. It's the blueprint, how to start a residential assisted living business. So this book itself, you can download this book right now at ral101.com. So RAL, which is Residential Assisted Living, ral101.com. You can download that book, my gift to you for free. And there's also a webinar there that you can watch and listen to, or you can just give us a call. There's a place to register to do a set up a call with us. I'll be sure to link that in the description box as well. ral101.com. Be sure to check that out, Gene um, Garino. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts mm -hmm. to this business here. We have the real estate side. We have the business side. Uh, we have people that are brand new. We have some more advanced investors who may own properties already, which, you know, if you own the property, if you own a property that may fit this mm -hmm. type of criteria, you're in, you're in a good position. But if you don't, you know, Gene mentioned something about leasing properties Maybe you can do a lease with the right to sublease a property or something like yeah, that. I love it. See, you're thinking you're that <laughs> man. Because, you know, let's think about it. The cycle in real estate, I've been saying this for a long time. Are we in the seventh inning? Are we in the ninth inning? Are we in uh, extra innings? Is this game three of a five-game series? You know, where are we at? Mm -hmm. And right now, I think everybody's kind of wondering, too, right now at this moment in time. I don't know what the market's like in your area, but we're in Phoenix, Arizona. The market is... If anything, I'm going to say it's even spiked up recently. Yep, yep. It's, same here, man. It's smoking hot. Smoking. It blows my mind. So, you know, keeping all of these things in mind, you can use the same tactics that you would when it comes to finding real estate. You can just change what you're doing or change the, the area where you're looking for properties. And Gene mentioned to find the tenants first. Same thing with wholesaling real estate, guys. We find buyers first before we go out and find the deal. That way we know what type of uh, properties the buyers are actually looking for. Yeah. We know what price range they're looking in. We know um, what they're looking to purchase, what they've re recently purchased so that we can go out there and find a similar property. So it's the same type of scenario. You're, you're basically taking the same exact concept that you would with uh, wholesaling real estate and you're applying it to the residential assisted living arena, except you're finding a tenant first. You're knowing what they want. Then all you got to do is go shopping, like Gene said, right? Yeah. So it's the same concept. It's just yeah. a different 
aspect of real estate. It's a different business model. You can apply the same exact uh, strategies to finding and tying properties up and negotiating real estate. The only difference is if you decide to do the business aspect of it, now you're going to be taking on a business right along with it. And that business can be super, super profitable. Yeah. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me throw a little bit more on that because I know that a lot of people are listening are like, I do not want to be in a business at all. And elderly or assisted living, that's just not for me. And I totally get that, you guys. So the idea of the real estate play, just like Jamel was talking about, is huge and there's big, big opportunities. Let me widen that out a little bit more on the real estate side. Remember the show, The Golden Girls from the 80s, four mature women living together in a house, taking care of each other? That may be your best rental right now in America today. Mm -hmm. There's millions of people that are saying the kids have moved out. Maybe the spouse passed away or they're no longer with them. They got a big old house that they have to pay taxes on, keep it up and so on. And they have no friends. Imagine now taking that house and saying, we got four bedrooms. It's a thousand dollars a month for each bedroom. And the owner, the landlord takes care of the utilities and the upkeep and the maintenance. So what do they get? They get to have community with these other people. They're going to be in that place and not have to worry about the maintenance and all of that. And they've got, you've got a long-term tenant that's going to be there for literally years and years and years, potentially a farm team for your residential assisted living that you happen to have up the street. So Golden Girls is a great model. You know what I think about when, I, when, when, you, when you talk about residential assisted living, I think about that, that movie, The Notebook. Uh -huh. uh, how, how, <laughs> I just think about that type of uh, environment or, or maybe even uh, – uh, a movie like Forrest Gump when his mom was in uh, mm -hmm. the assisted living. So I think about things like that and I'm like, wow, you know, you can actually own that type of uh, business, that type of uh, property as well. That's awesome, man. I'll throw in one more movie reference. The, uh, you've got um, Happy Gilmore. Right? Happy with Gilmore. That, yep. <laughs> with that and see, that's the negative one. And that's the thing I was literally, you know, just yesterday I was on the phone with a good friend of mine, his mom, they're down in Florida and his mom's been in assisted living for four years now. And he has just had a horrible time with the whole thing. Just the, the whole process, them not taking care of mom the way they should. And it's just, you hear him and you just feel like crying. And the reality is, if he had owned the home in a neighborhood, he could be controlling everything. Who's hired, what care they get, what activities they have. But instead, he's in somebody else's business and he has no choice, no control, literally can't even go in and visit right now because they've said you, you can't even if your family go visit your mom and those residents are locked in their room not locked in but they're in their room and they bring the food to them this right. whole insanity of, of keeping people separate and so on in our homes yeah they get a bedroom but they still live inside the home uh, we don't nearly have the traffic that we used to but it is so much better than those big box facilities that are nameless faceless nah. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day, this is, this can be an easy business model for each of you uh, listening to this podcast right now. Yes, it will take work. Yes, it, it's going to be hard in the beginning. It gets easier over time, just like with anything else. Uh, yes, it will take some blood, sweat and tears, but it can be profitable for you. And if you have a passion for helping people, this is probably one of the perfect uh, businesses to jump in. So uh, really appreciate you jumping on the line and, and uh, sure. 
wetting our whistle a little bit, a little, uh, a little with the uh, residential assisted living arena, uh, Gene. Yeah, and I just want to encourage you. You know, you said uh, simple, and I think it's simple but not easy. What I mean by that is, we get the concept. You get a house. We have seniors; they're being taken care of. They pay a lot of money, and there's a lot of profit. Simple. But the, the easy part, anything you do is going to take commitment. It's going to take, so learn all you can first. I, I wish, I wish that there was a class that I could have attended uh, that would have taught me everything that I paid dearly for in time, effort, losses of opportunity and real money. Uh, so that's why we teach other people how to do it, because I'd rather you learn up front from my mistakes than try to figure it out on your own. So always avoid that DIY aspect. And I know you guys have a lot more questions too as you're listening. So do go to that website, that RAL 101, because not only will you get the book, but you get the webinar that you can watch and you can call and ask questions because there's a lot of opportunity, but I know you have a lot of questions too. Awesome. So RAL 101.com. Be sure to check that out, guys. And also pick up your, your free book while you're there as well. Speaking of books, Gene, are you, are you, what are you currently reading right now besides your own book? <laughs> you know, it's so, I was going to say, you know, it's so funny because I get asked that question a lot. And uh, I am not a big book reader. I get I have tons of books, but I tend to read like the first chapter and the, the cliff notes. Right. Uh, but I'm going to go. I'm going to give you a throwback because I have a whole nother uh, whole nother thing going on. But one of the best books I think you can read on communication is a book called Unlimited Selling Power. Mm. And Unlimited Selling Power is really about communication which if you're looking to buy houses, fix houses, flip houses, who are you communicating with? Sellers, buyers, banks, all kinds of things. Communication is a key. The author is Dr. Donald Moyne, M-O-I-N-E. It's not a thick book, so it's you know an easy read, and it's a book that you can um, get through, but you'll be able to implement the strategies there very quickly. Uh, so Unlimited Selling Power, Dr. Donald Moyne. I'll be sure to link that in the description box and in the show notes as well. If you're listening to this on a podcast, uh, go to my YouTube page, find this video with Gene Garino and, uh, he, um, and it's going to be called residential assisted living. And I'm going to link all of the details in the uh, description box on that, uh, YouTube video. Great, great, great call, Gene. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today on this podcast. Now, quick question for you. Sure. If you had to give our listeners some last word advice to getting started in this uh, type of investing or this type of business model, uh, what would that, what would those last few words be? Uh, I'm going to reiterate what I said before, learn from other people, you know, learn all you possibly can. Cause even if you're going to own the real estate, I want you to know what the business is and what makes a good operator. Cause that's your tenant. And if they're going to be paying that bill for the next five years, you need to know that they're good. What makes them good? Why is this a good location, et cetera? Uh, so that right there. And again, do not buy the real estate first. Find that tenant, that customer first. They'll let you know where they want a house and what they're looking for. Just don't fall in the trap of, hey, I got a free house. It's in the middle of nowhere. And it's single level, seven bedrooms, 7,000 square feet. But nobody's going to drive there. Don't awesome. do that. Awesome. Awesome. And the best way to learn, like Gene said, don't do not try to do this on your own. Get, get your free copy of the book. Go to RAL101.com. I'll link it in the show notes as well. 
And I'm um, looking forward to hearing of your success stories from uh, what you learned from Gene as well. Gene, man, it's been a real pleasure. I'm um, looking it forward is. to having you on this uh, podcast. Again, I'm sure they're going to ask for another episode. Would you be willing to come back to, for us uh, sometime in the future? Absolutely. You just let me know when and where and I'll be there. You're the man, me, Mean Gene Garino. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> hey, I get it a lot, but I'm not mean. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, man. <laughs> but hey, man, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate you uh, jumping on board and looking forward to doing this again. Thanks, Jarrell. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you guys on the next one. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to reieducationacademy.com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.